And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme for this Saturday morning. Porik, good morning to you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. Yeah. A little uh, bit softer this morning. <laughs> a little bit is that, what, is that what you call it? A, a, a grand, soft, a grand, grand soft, soft day. Morning. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, look at the temperatures are, because the frost has been has been hanging around for quite a while now and, and definitely people will see uh, very slow growth in, in plants right, right across all plants, shrubs and hedges and lawns. Like how often have you cut your lawn this year? Uh, you know, Actually, that's an excellent point. I don't think terribly often no, in no. my case. Uh, so it's a sure yeah. sign. And it's not even that it needs it. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's it. And, and that's a sure sign that, that growth just has been very, very slow. And then it, the heavy frost. And we had a couple of nights of quite severe frost uh, this week, minus two, minus three. So, you know, any tender plants that we've been telling people to keep inside would have certainly been damaged and um, we are going to see and probably see a lot of questions in on potatoes that were damaged the potato stalks what you will find with potatoes is albeit that the top foliage has been damaged by frost the the foliage beneath the soil will will regrow again so anybody with damaged uh, potato stems just simply trim them back to where there's some green growth or trim them back to soil level and they'll regrow again it's going to set them back about a month um, but you, you you know the, the, they'll still produce a crop it'll all be it'll be probably a, a month late or six weeks late um so yeah look at we're into a, a milder temperatures warmer temperatures temperatures going right up to 15 degrees so you're going to see growth now after this Great. shower of rain so like we said last week this is the type of weather to be feeding plants um, so th- those that took our advice last weekend and put out some fertiliser, that's going to be washed in now and you're going to see with the warmer temperatures growth starting. So if listeners haven't kind of fed their lawns, th- this would be an ideal weekend and most lawn fertilisers, you can actually put them out when rain is promised or as it's re- even as it's raining. Right. Same with granulated fertiliser if you want to pep up your hydrangeas or your laurel hedges or your trees and shrubs in general. Again, an application of a tree and shrub fertiliser now with this damp weather, with the with the growth and the warm temperatures coming, um, would be ideal. So a, a really good time to, to feed plants. Also the sowing of seed. I said that last week as well. Remember, it's still only May. There's plenty of time yet to sow all your favourite vegetables and herbs directly from seeds. Our garden centres, I, I walked uh, Turlock this morning, yeah. and it's packed with, with vegetable plants and herbs ready to go out into the garden so the conditions are ideal for putting out your your typical cabbage like Duncan cabbage and lettuces and spinach and all of that can go directly out tomato plants still keep them inside uh, at the moment um, certainly you know there still is a risk of frost as we go through May so yeah. don't put those out until June keep them inside but this is tomato planting time so if you haven't put your tomatoes into pots and containers then start thinking about planting them up even that you can grow them on a windowsill like the, the little totem varieties which are quite short or this lovely variety called tumbler which is perfect for baskets and containers and it's a little fun one to grow because there's none of the pinching back or taking out side shoots or having put in bamboo canes the old traditional Right, uh, Monty where, Don where, 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 where we need to mind things a bit. Yeah, where, so that's a really fun one and particularly for children. So it's one called Tumbler. It's lovely in pots, containers and, and it produces a great crop of fruit simply on your patio. So the planting up of tomatoes, peppers, chilies, aubergines, courgettes, cucumbers, those plants you'll get in your local garden centre. Start potting them up now. 
keep them in your greenhouse tunnel conservatory or on a windowsill for a couple of weeks yet but kind of get them started but the sowing of seed in particular dear Dave, carrot seed parsnip seed all of that can be done the temperatures will be absolutely ideal and along with that the weeds will start to grow so nice. we'll, we'll have a we'll have an explosion of uh, people will probably see weeds like mare's tail and uh, clickweed and all the common weeds beginning to pop now over the next um, seven to ten days so keep an eye on that um, you asked me before about the wolf garden tool yes I checked it out it's back in available uh, so that's a really super the way the hoe the hoe the hoe what did I say the wolf garden hoe so it's the push and pull so it's got a blade on the front and the back and I find it terrific because it's, it just scuffles the weeds it's easy to use and um, I always say it's a great way to get your 10,000 steps in around your garden but it's a great way just eliminating weeds when they're small and vulnerable rather than using any weed killers and um, so I just keep an eye on that as well and of course it's great planting weather as well because soil conditions are really good for planting so mm. listeners are interested in putting in fruit trees or um, even sowing wildflower seeds or whatever it's really good weather so keep the tender plants don't be tempted to put those out just yet the geraniums begonias salvias keep those inside at the moment by all means be doing up some hanging baskets and window boxes but do keep them protected um, but ordinary garden plants and I yeah. actually brought yeah, you I know, in I know you've got some there on the ground so we might uh, have a quick chat about those yeah I brought you brought you, brought you in uh, a cottage garden Selection. Uh, selection. Yeah. Do tell so, them. Because well, uh, we get the, and we get this kind of question all the time. All the time. And, yeah. and cottage garden plants are great because, first of all, they're perennial, which means they come back every year. Secondly, they give you tremendous colour, really, from any time from now right through until September, October. Many of them stay in flower. And many of them are very beneficial for bees and butterflies and pollinators um, and this is this one here is a really simple one if you want to just a really simple easy plant to grow that looks a little bit like lavender mm-hmm. but is actually 10 times easier to grow than lavender it's called nepeta six hills giant and it's a blue flowering nepeta or cap mint it mm-hmm. smells of mint it has beautiful silver foliage in my garden it's about a meter wide by a meter about a square meter one wow. plant takes up so it's great for carpeting the ground you can plant it closely together to give you complete ground cover and it'll come into flower in June and it stays in flower nearly all summer long and the bees absolutely love that plant this is another really easy one called GM GM it's a red GM red yeah GM red so it's again it's a perennial it produces like the colour of the pot it's yeah, a rich, so rich deep red easy easy plant to grow it grows about a foot maybe 15 inches in height again it'll grow to about not maybe a metre but certainly up to half a metre in diameter but a lovely old cottage garden plant that flowers every year salvias these come in a whole range of different colours this is a gorgeous pink one I it's love a, the it's the, the, a really dark depth pink depth pink yeah. yeah it's nearly a purple pink and it will come into flower in mid-June and again flower the whole summer long raspberry royale I see is the yeah name that's the, the, the variety raspberry royale it's a lovely kind of raspberry really dark uh, purplish colour um, and again a great plant for bees this is a perennial salvia we do have the ordinary annual salvias that just last one year but this one comes back year after year and it comes in a purple form as well and do, Park, do they all die back completely into the ground yeah. in the winter time in the winter so time. you don't know that they're there at all yeah well you'll see you'll, you'll see a small cluster or clump left in the winter and what I do advocate is that if you have cottage garden plants in your garden a good idea is to plant spring flowering bulbs with them it's a great companion plant a good plant association because obviously the spring the tulips are in flower at the moment and then all of the perennials come into flower the cottage garden plants from june onwards so you get a really long period of color and they work 
brilliantly together. So as the bulbs are dying back, the foliage of the herbaceous plants then just cover Come. up and it, it just keeps it really tidy. Daylily, that's Hemerocallus. It's one called Pandora's Box. Look, at there's a whole yeah. varieties of phloxes, lupins, hostas. They're really, really good plants. They're easy to grow um, and they're perennial. They come back every year and, and they literally multiply. And like I was saying a couple of weeks back, I'm a, a devil for dividing them up and transplanting them into it. So I'm constantly every year moving things around, moving them and digging them up and yeah. splitting them and moving them on and giving them away to people and so on. So it's it's a, it's a really good, easy collection of plants. So they're available in your local garden centre at the moment. They're cottage garden perennials. Make sure they're perennials that come back year after year. And if you plant them now, you'll have really good colour this year but more importantly, they'll come back every year. Yeah. And they do look better if planted in clusters of threes. So three Napita, three of the Hemerocallus or flocks together. It just gives a more uniformed effect, but, a stronger yeah. show of colour. Can be a little bit lonely if they're planted yeah, on their own. Yeah, yeah, they can. And you just don't get the same impact. It's, you know, you're better mm. with maybe a slightly less selection of plants, but putting more, so putting them in groups of threes rather than single uh, and creating that clumped effect. Sounds and wonderful. And spacing them about a metre apart because they will close They'll in. They'll close in. Yeah. Okay, great. So some super options there, I think, for people. It's I a know. great time for cottage. Many people come looking for them when they're in flower. So mm. the lupins will be coming into flower in June, but really now is the time to plant them. Same with the flocks. It'll come into flower in June, July, August, but really now is the time to get it into the ground. Um, host is the same. So this is the, and, and in terms of planting weather and conditions, it couldn't be better. Do keep an eye out for slugs with them, particularly varieties like hostas and lupins and a small bit of the organic uh, slug control will we'll just keep them at bay. Great stuff. Now, were we going to talk a little bit about potatoes uh, with the cold weather and the wet weather? Yeah, is well, that I, I uh, affecting that. them? Yeah, so so with potatoes, you know, there certainly is frost damage and I see a couple of questions in already this morning on that and really my advice is to trim off any damaged foliage on potatoes, just simply cut, the, cut them back to where they're damaged, give them a feed and they'll respond to that feed by re-sprouting again. It does set the potatoes back about a month, the, the hard frost. Um, anyone that's been moulding their potatoes up or adding the soil as the growth has come through, they'll be perfectly fine. If you've covered them with heavy fleece, they'll be perfectly fine. So it's only potatoes that have got a lick of the frost. Okay. It, it, it's only, it's, it's a temporary setback. They will regrow again. And remember, it's not too late to plant potatoes. So for listeners that haven't actually got their spuds in the ground, May is, you can still plant in May. All the main crop varieties, the roosters, Curves pink, uh, co- uh, the you know any of the um, golden wonders, any varieties like that, they can all still be planted at this time of year. There's a long growing season yet, and growth has been extremely slow. Yeah, because so, I suppose when you think back to this time last year, we had all that lovely heat and warmth during the springtime. Beautiful weather. Yeah, yeah. Spring, um, uh, yeah so we haven't. Early. Yeah, we really haven't had any no, of no. that. It's the reverse, in fact. Yeah, and I and I see a number of questions in where people have sown seed two weeks ago and they're not seeing any germination that's simply just down to the cold temperatures so it's just a little bit of patience you don't need to re-sow the seed the seed is perfectly fine the frost won't have affected it but it's just the temperatures aren't warm enough just to get them to to kick into growth um, so I, you know I was even just looking at some white Lisbon onion seed I sowed a month ago myself and it's literally only an inch high whereas normally it would be twice or three times that okay. high at this stage so you know it, it's just down to temperature so don't worry about anything that you've sown that you're not really seeing it growing really fast or even young plants that you put in and they're just sitting there that's just down to the Cool temperatures. cool temperatures because we had the wind as well and the frost you so know it was kind quite of coming nitty. at it from all sides yeah it was if you weren't out in the sun where, where the sun was shining mm. it was actually quite 
quite cold, cold for the last yeah. two weeks. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Lawn feed. Um, what is a good lawn feed and also a feed for laurels? And can you sow laurels on a ditch? Oh, on a ditch. Well, it depends on what the soil is like in the ditch. I mean, the, the laurels won't mind whatsoever. Remember what I said before about the laurels. They need a relatively sheltered site, so they're not suitable for exposed, windy, open seaside areas. So as long as it's relatively sheltered, they'll grow quite happily on the ditch. Um, it would be a good idea to remo- remove any vegetation, any grass or weeds that are on the ditch initially and then plant the laurel hedge. Do remember when you plant them, cut the tops of the hedge back to get it to thicken and uh, space the plants about 18 inches or two feet apart and they'll close in with on that. But do, just check first that the soil, do a few test holes to make sure the soil is of reasonable quality. In terms of lawn feed you can get if you've no weeds in the lawn you can get a straight lawn feed like zero lawn feed which is very good or osmo lawn feed they have no pesticides added no weed killers or anything and they feed over a three month period so if you apply it now it'll green the grass without forcing it and it'll give it a lovely green, green colour for up to three months so now's the time to get on your lawn feed certainly and what about feeding the laurels well, again, you could use the, again, a good tree and shrub fertiliser, so um, Osmo Pro 6 would be fine. Again, a handful around the base of the plants and repeat it in June again. We generally feed trees and shrubs and hedging plants now and then repeat in June, about the third week of June. And after that, then, they're, they're beginning to slow down again after that, so there's no need. Now, could you ask, Porik, is malice a good pollinator? It's not good. It's fantastic. It's excellent. <laughs> it's excellent. So much so that they are friends in Bulmers, uh, they generally grow one variety of apple. So they might grow a Bramley apple or a Charles Ross apple for cider. And they'll bring the malice trees into the orchard during pollination or during flowering to get a really heavy set. So they grow malice in tubs and containers. They put them out on the nursery for 10 months or 11 months of the, of the year and they bring them in in April and early May to help to pollinate the crop. So malice is one of the best uh, pollinators of apple trees. Bees absolutely love it. So malice is in the apple family. It's related to, to ordinary apples and many of them actually produce beautiful flowers like um, this Perfusion or Mount Everest is a lovely one, Golden Hornet, Gorgeous. There's a whole range of different varieties of malice. And it's a tree, It's is a it? tree. Yeah. It's a decorative tree. So it flowers like an apple tree. Some will have white flowers, some will have pink, some will have red flowers, depending. Some have red leaves, green leaves, and so on. And then many of them bear berries. So red hornet, red hornet produces a lovely red berry. They're like bunches of red gra- of grapes in yellow, yellow bunches of grapes in the autumn hanging off the tree. And they're totally edible. They are actually miniature it's a human. Oh, oh yeah, 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 you can munch away in them. You can make crab apple jelly from them and so on. Now, you wouldn't eat too many of them because you'll, uh, they, they're quite um, acidic. Acidic, yeah. yeah. But, um, but you can make the, use them for culinary purposes for making crab apple jelly and so on. So malice is, it's a beautiful tree, brilliant pollinator. You'll see the bees absolutely covered in, in bees uh, when it's in flower. They're kind of going out of flower now. Okay. just begin to go over go. but they will set and then they'll produce their fruit in the autumn okay so they're so real all-rounders all, absolutely yeah. if, so if listeners have apple trees in their garden and they want to bring in an excellent pollinator then choose a good malice uh, variety and plant it and, and that'll help 
Okay, super. Um, now, somebody wondering how long it takes uh, for wildflowers to start showing. They set them two weeks ago when there's no sign yet. Well, now That's you might need to give them from burned. You might need to give them more than two weeks. Absolutely, yeah. and particularly look at it, it. All depends on on the temperatures we've had. Burned it did exactly the right thing. Sowing them in April is absolutely perfect perfect timing. Um, if we had normal temperatures, they'd nearly be up now. Normally three to four weeks and um, this year it'll, it's going to take that and maybe maybe it could be into the fifth week. Remember, that depending on the mix that Bernadette sowed, it gen- they're generally wildflowers are a collection of annual and perennial. The annuals will flower this summer. The perennials will germinate and grow, but they'll stay green until the following summer. So the, the, so if you have a mixture of kind of green, some flowering and some just green foliage, that's perfectly natural. And remember in the autumn then to introduce some spring flowering bulbs like winter aconite, snowdrops, bluebells, you know, to cre- create that lovely spring effect of colour in the, in the wildflower meadow. Fantastic. Uh, now, question on camellia and magnolia shrubs. I purchased some recently. They were pot bound. I reset them into larger pots, but now the leaves have turned brown. And I'm wondering, should I have left them until later? I did fertilise them. Help, please. Okay, well, look at the listener did absolutely nothing wrong. It's a perfect time for uh, planting um, both both magnolias and rhododendrons and camellias. Camellias, uh, yeah. yeah. Out of in, in pots. The fact that they were pot bound will mean that the plants were quite hungry and it's quite typical for some of the leaves to go yellowish, brownish in colour. Watch for the new growth. So just let let the hair sit. Don't do anything else. The fact that you've you've um, fertilised them, they're perfectly fine now. So don't overwash them too much. Just leave, let them let them sit now for a while, and you'll start to see young growth starting over during May, June, and July. So the listener's done everything absolutely perfect. It's just that the plants were. If they're tightly bound in the pots, naturally enough, when you transplant them, they'll get a little bit of a shock. <clears throat> they'll sacrifice some of the lower leaves in particular, but the young growth will be perfectly fine. Super. Now, can I unwrap my tree ferns now? Oh, yeah, tree ferns. Yeah. So these are these are um, these are the lovely kind of um, tree ferns. Yeah, <laughs> that produce they produce the fronds right from the centre. So you've got a kind of a bare bark, and in winter time the leaves go off completely. And it's a great idea to put kind of heavy sacking or fleece around the top of them just to protect them. Uh, this is the time of year when the fronds are beginning to unfold. So take the net, the, the cover off, start to water them actually at the very top. They'll need moisture to initiate the new fronds. Um, so a little bit of tepid watered once a week for the next couple of weeks until you see the fronds starting to come off. They are frost sensitive so the listener did exactly the right thing in covering them for the winter, winter. period but but they're starting to grow now so there's some beautiful varieties of them in the museum in, in um, Castle Bar. So the little wood, woodland areas, you come up the drive mm-hmm. in the Museum of Country Life. On the left-hand side, there's a little alcove there of trees and they've planted tree ferns many years ago and they're absolutely beautiful. They begin to unfold now because they've got the shelter of the trees as well to keep the frost off So them. they're just in a good uh, spot. So they're worth a look, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, they, they sound like a really interesting yeah, plant. Ferns, yeah. um, now, my early, well, we talked about early potatoes uh, and burnt by the frost, so I think we've probably answered that for people. Um, now, from tree ferns to palm trees, um, I planted a few palm trees uh, from pots in March Park. They're basically died. Will they come back? 
Well, it, it depends what they mean by palm tree. So and I'm, how I'm, much dyed they did. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm assuming there are conifers of some type, either Lelandia or Lawson Cypress or some type of, of conifer or conifer plant. Um, if they're gone completely brown and the, the foliage has gone crisp and to the touch, they're not going to come back. The plants have failed for some reason. Um, you know, if they've kind of just gone slightly discoloured with a small bit of browning, yes, they'll, they'll regrow again. So it depends how much green matter is still left on the palm trees. We some uh, we, we often refer to palm trees as cord lines as well. You know the cordline australis with the strap-like leaves. Yeah. They're often called palm trees as well. Or you have true palms as well, which are uh, proper palms that produce kind of big palm leaves. Uh, and they like so tropical do, island palms. Yeah, exactly. And then you can get some hardy varieties. There's one called trachycarpus, which uh, grows a bit like the cord line. It grows on a bare stem and a big palm-like leaves on on the plant as well. So it depends what. The, what particular plant the listener has. Okay. Maybe if they take a picture of yeah. it and WhatsApp it into us, we'll have a look at it. Yeah, that's interesting. There aren't so many uh, plants that we do refer to as palm trees. A palm trees, Yeah, and it's yeah. like this palm, tr- like palm Sunday, and it's I always associate. So, and so yeah, all, that's kind of a Lalandii type it is, of yeah, it's lost a palm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but obviously there are different kinds. Now, I wasn't thinking of the cordelines in that family, but absolutely. And that's why plants have Latin names rather than because a Latin name, so, you know, Latin name like Trachycarpus uh, is a name that if you go to Japan or China, the plant is still is referred to. So it's, by, uni- it's a universal it's language a universal for plants. It's a universal language of plants, yeah. Whereas the common names that we use can be sometimes five or six different type of plants that are not associated have the same common name. Yeah, so we all Like palms. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll, so you we'll can get confused. You we'll, get a bit of confusion. So. We'll, we'll move from the <clears throat> language back to gardening. Yeah. Uh, right, um... Interesting question here, Porek. Um, uh, recommend a marker for plants and seeds. I used permanent waterproof marker, okay. but it vanished, Suzanne. <laughs> Can you imagine the confusion or the adventure, Anne? That's the other way of looking Absolutely. at it. But anyway, yeah, important. We like to know oh, what do we sow in that spot or what do we sow in that spot? So the best thing to use to mark labels is actually a pencil. Because it doesn't wash off. That's what I used to use my years in the botanic gardens a pencil was what we used an ordinary lead pencil on a piece of wood or well you can put it on a piece of wood or we used to use little aluminium aluminium labels and the pencil would always stay stay you know no matter how much you watered it or how much sunlight it, it got the the, the lead the, uh, the lead, lead and the pencil stayed just stayed the, yeah 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 Brilliant. so try that Okay. It'll be an interesting w- mix of plants. <laughs> yeah, to see, to see what comes out of it. Um, a Virginia creeper pork damaged with the frost, will that come back? It will indeed. And and plants like Virginia creeper, hydrangeas, Pieris forest flame, they all got licked with the frost this year. The young growth, so as they came out, like I often see it on ash trees and uh, beech trees will often get damaged by uh, frosts. You know, plants that you wouldn't normally think would, uh, you know, become susceptible to frost. Uh, so it's really just the young growth that's been damaged. The Virginia creeper will regrow again. Just give it a feed. The new growth will kick on, kick back again. Brilliant. So it's, a, it's really just a temporary setback on shrubs and trees. But where you've got bedding plants or you've got tomato plants and when the frost gets them, then it kills them outright. Great. Um, now, you were saying tomatoes can be grown I outside. I tried one plant outside last year and no success as this listener. Okay, so there are, and I should have clarified that, that ideally 
tomatoes are better grown under a covered structure, a greenhouse tunnel, um, you know, conservatory type thing. Of course, they're going to do better there because uh, the, the warmer temperatures, you know, and, and you're keeping them out of the cold weather. There are some outdoor varieties that do well. Um, I, I did remember or mentioned before, red profusion is one that I grow outside every year from June. You can't put them out yet, but from June and they do really well. Tumbler actually works really well outside as well because it's a little miniature one. Um, Gardener's Delight does well. Now, a lot depends on the summer we get, of course, as well. If you get a wet, miserable summer, tomatoes just aren't going to do uh, as good as if you have the greenhouse. So ideally, a greenhouse tunnel, conservatory type structure, that's the ideal location for them. But if you've got a white, warm, south-facing, sheltered patio, you could give some of the more hardier ones a try as well. Okay, great. Now, we're going to have a look at a couple of photographs and... uh, some of these pork. So we've got a question in and we've got a, a couple of photographs here. Uh, a laurel hedge planted last September in the Cross Malina area. It has started to fail in the last few weeks, yeah. uh, says this listener. Put seaweed around them and I just wanted Great. to get some advice. And I had leather jackets in the lawn, but I sprayed that. Okay, yeah, so the, the, the laurel plants are showing uh, yellowing of the foliage, brown edges, but there's young growth as well. You can see the young growth just starting there in the centre and, and overall the plants are actually quite healthy. So it's just a little bit of weather damage uh, on the plants. They're going to grow out of that. There's a little bit of weed growth at the base of them. So my advice to get rid of that, the listeners put on the seaweed uh, fertiliser so the plants are perfectly fine and it's it's only a matter of leaving them now for two or three weeks and they'll be they'll be perfectly okay. They'll regrow out of that. Keep an eye on the leather jackets. Just if the plants um, continue to show yellowing, then maybe lift one and just see if there are any leather jackets attacking the, the root structure. Mm. But to me, it looks more like weather damage, in particular the sort of cold weather we've been having. Would leather jackets attack uh, oh, yes, laurels like that? Oh, yeah. The, the leather jackets will attack Anthony. grass, plants, uh, vegetable Earth. plants. You know, they're, they'll... Whatever's okay. there, whatever's They're available. They're not selective, the in other infosy. words. Right, the okay. Uh, now, we've got this gorgeous uh, yeah. purple-coloured plant. Uh, plant from Kathleen. And she's wondering, Pork, would you might, would you be able to identify it? I would. It's been given as a leaf cutting. So this is a plant called Strepiocarpus. Strepiocarpus. It's an indoor plant. Beautiful purple flowers. It comes in a, in, in a couple of different uh, colours and varieties. And it propagates quite easily from leaf cuttings. So it's... It's a really, really nice plant. It's quite a young plant there, so it will grow. It'll at least double or treble its size and it flowers for quite a, a long period. Okay. Now, we've got three viburnums, a yes. photograph in here again, um, planted together uh, a couple of years ago, got very big and overtook a fuchsia beside it. Mm. It looks very odd with a big gap. It does. Uh, <laughs> until the fuchsia starts to grow. Would it be best to take out that fuchsia or somehow tame the viburnum, asks Marion Galway? Well, the, the viburnum has, has grown lovely in terms of the three plants have filled in together mm. and that's what we were chatting about. You know, That carpet the, effect, yeah. Yeah, that kind of carpet effect and they're it's covering the ground and suppressing any weeds there as well. Um, but the fuchsia is lost. So my advice really would be to lift that fuchsia, yeah. dig it up. Um, the fact that the listeners cut it back quite hard there now, you can actually still lift that fuchsia this weekend or right. the next couple of days. You see this, yes. the, the buds are just beginning. So it would be still safe to lift it, transplant it to a new location. And then I'd put in either another viburnum, that's viburnum davidii, uh, that particular plant that the listener has or you could put in another evergreen shrub would look uh, you know just to fill up that gap because can you imagine like all winter you've just got that gaping gap until the fuchsia comes forward so lift the fuchsia yeah. move it maybe put in another viburnum or put in um, another evergreen shrub 
to fill in the gap. Okay. Uh, when, to pl- when to plant bedding annuals outside and some of the most reliable bedding plants, asks Tom. Well, Tom, it, I mean, most of the bedding plants do really well. I mean, things like the non-stop agonias are great. Um, plants like, you know, the French marigolds, all the popular ones you, that you can get in your local garden centre, but they cannot be planted out until the risk of frost has passed, which is going to be the 1st of June. So, you know, happy enough to for, for people to plant them up in pots and containers and keep them protected, but really planting bedding out uh, to any level shouldn't be done until all risk of frost. Well, things really start to warm up mm-hmm. and there'll still be plenty of plants available in June. Now we've got a Lalandii hedge pork and we you're going to have to move our head sideways because yeah, it's coming it. on the other yeah. side way. But anyway, here we go. So we have a Lalandii hedge and we've got a problem with it. It's going brown in some places and not others. It's not any kind of chemical as we don't use any. What yeah. could be the co- problem and how do we treat it? Okay, and I think we had this, we had a Something similar question similar, a couple yeah, of weeks yeah. ago and this is just aphid attack. So aphids or green fly will actually land on um, Lalandii and they, they literally suck the protein out of the stems uh, they, and with the, the stems turn yellow and then go brown as they have in this mm-hmm. instance. Now when you go out and look at them now the aphids are gone so this damage occurred either last summer, maybe last autumn um, so you know you're, you're, you're seeing kind of six months later that the damage starts to appear uh, the plant should grow out of it, give them a light trimming back, they're not badly damaged so give them a light trimming back, give them a feed and lots of new growth will, will cover that again but do keep an eye, an, an eye out periodically for aphids on the Lelandii um, they're quite large, they're quite uh, visible when they're there Okay, here we go on tomatoes again, Pork. My first attempt, says Magella, at growing tomatoes. She's sent in two great photographs here. Um, So I have four tomato plants in two grow bags in my conservatory. I know it needs tidying up, but I don't know which leaves should be removed to encourage a good crop of tomatoes. So talk us through uh, this. Okay, they're doing 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 really well. I mean, they're they're standing roughly about, I would imagine, at least three feet high. Uh, So Magella needs to get a couple of bamboo canes that's the first thing. The second thing is to remove any side shoots. Um, so what you want to end up with is a central stem, so a main stem up to about four to five feet in height. And any side shoots coming off that main stem need to be removed. So you leave the leaves on, but just remove the side shoots. And you'll, you'll notice there on the picture, there's a couple of side shoots it looks like it's multi-branched. That's because the side shoots haven't been removed. Okay. So Magella needs to take those out. So where the side shoots generally appear where you have a leaf touching the main stem. So at the leaf axle, right in the corner, the stems come from that point and they need to be removed. So as the plant is growing, you're removing the side stems, leaving one main a main, a main, a main part. And, and, and the foliage and everything else should be removed. And then when they get to about five feet high, you take the top of the tomato uh, head out. And that's it. Simple okay. as that. Keep them watered, keep them fed. They're actually doing really well. So they're very happy. Now, somebody has sent us in a photograph of a climber Lily and Moser, wondering, yeah. is it is this climber available? I'd like an evergreen climber. Is this one evergreen? No, unfortunately, Mary, it's not. Right. So this is Nelly Moser. It's a clematis. Um, very, very easy to grow. It flowers generally twice in the year. So it'll be coming into flower very shortly and flowers again then in kind of August, September. And it's actually a variety that does really well in shaded areas. So clematis, Nelly Moser. If you want an evergreen one, Mary, the one I grow is one called Winter Beauty. 
So Clematis Winter Beauty, it actually flowers at Christmas and flowers right through to the end of February. It's absolutely a lovely variety of Clematis. There are other varieties like Armandii, which again is, is it's actually in flower at the moment, Armandii. It flowers like apple blossoms. Uh, so Clematis Armandii. So ask in your local garden centre for evergreen Clematis, Winter Beauty and Armandii would be two excellent ones because they flower at slightly different times of the year as well. And there are plenty of other good evergreen climbers like, um, you know, this, you, you've got the star jasmine, which is really nice. Again, it has flowers through the summer months, um, evergreen sea uh, and So there's lots of really good evergreen climbers. But if it's particularly clematis that Mary wants, then winter beauty and armandii are two greats. And that's something really interesting to think about if you are growing or sowing clematis and you don't know a whole lot about it, is that there are different kinds in that there are evergreen and there are non-evergreen. Absolutely. So that needs to be, I suppose, like a bit of an informed decision sometimes. And I would be one of these people. I might see something and like the look of it and it would go in and then I would realise, you know, 12 months down the line that wasn't quite exactly what I had hoped it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And and well and the other thing to remember is that you can actually mix climbers. So the winter beauty that I have grown in the wall, it's growing up through evergreen ivy. So the two plants actually work really well together. So you could plant Nelly Moser with another evergreen okay. climber like a, like a you know a, a climbing ivy or whatever, just as a complementary plant. So you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, we have a photograph in of a plant um, and I'm going to attempt a pronunciation here. Polyscasis aurelia? Yes, very good. Or something along those lines. So so this is the dinner plate aurelia. Aurelias are indoor plants. Um, and so they got this plant a few months ago. Um, the second photo, so kind of looking younger and healthier perhaps. And now looking much taller. It has grown quite a lot by the looks of it. Um, but maybe a bit uh, scraggy and scrawny and doesn't quite have the leaf cover yeah. uh, that it had originally. Yeah, and if you go back to the first picture, it's actually in a very, very large pot and my sense of this is that it actually has been overwatered because the dinner plate Aurelia dislikes too much water. It needs to be kept. The, the light levels are good, so it's right beside the window and it, it does like to be in a, a relatively bright location, but particularly over the winter months, it's not physically growing anyway. So the watering, the really the advice with them is to keep them quite dry. Uh, and I think that it looks to me like that's what it's just the pot is very large there's a lot of compost there and when you do water it the roots will get very very wet very easily Yeah, but I can see why it's called dinner plate because the leaves are the really leaves are big large, they're like yeah. a dinner plate Yeah, if there's any dead wood on it some of it looks like there's, there's dead branches on it they could be pruned out um, hold back on the watering a little bit and it'll regrow again it's a relatively easy plant to grow Okay, great. Now, I bought some ivy plants. Uh, should I leave them in the pots to put in the ground or should I take the pots away? Well, there's a, a beginner's, a good beginner's question. So, <laughs> so ideally, <laughs> you need to take them out of the pots. Yeah, so they're the small little nursery pots that come with, obviously, they're just to, to get them started. And, uh, you know, when planting ivies, it is a good idea just to prepare the soil really well, slip off the pot, put in the plant, firm it in well and tack on the leaves onto the wall. They need to get the feel of the wall before they'll actually start to stick and off they go. Fantastic. And that applies to all plants. Remove the pots, pots. when planting. Okay, generally, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise they're, they're not, they, they don't have the room to grow. No, they that, don't. Yeah. Uh, now we have some lettuce plants no, um, no. and we have some uh, things that are eating the lettuce we plants. Do. So can you suggest something to eliminate these bugs from the soil? They've cut my lettuce plants at the base. So this is our friend, the leather jackets. So you, you <gasps> oh, asked me. Oh, that's what they look like. That's what they look like. So that they Sorry, have that I, kind of rubbery. I, should, I shouldn't just say that on radio and describe to the people what they actually look like. Yeah, they're yeah, black long things. Yeah, they're, yeah and they're, they're quite dark and they're 
they're rubbery in, in texture. They're roughly about an inch long, so they're very visible to the naked eye. And like we said earlier, they'll eat anything that's in the soil, lettuce, plants, whatever. The, the most effective way to treat them is with the nematodes, and they'll be in next week. So they'll be available from next week on nematodes for um, for leather jackets. And of course, the nematodes are very safe. They're a good organic yeah. way, particularly when you're growing vegetables. So for the newbies now who are listening, um, who might never have heard of nematodes before, can oh, yeah. we so give them a, just a little overview of what yeah, that so is? N- nematodes are naturally organic occurring um, organisms in the soil and basically they, they're they there anyway in, in most soils but when you, when you purchase them you purchase a quantity that, that's sufficient to kill any soil-borne pests particularly leather jackets, cutworms, vine weevil uh, so they're very effective at controlling so basically what you do you mix them up in the powder up in water you apply it onto the vegetable plants and the soil area they enter the soil they attack the grubs in the soil and they kill them off and then reproduce and keep on doing that until all leather jackets are eliminated. And then they themselves die away. So they're a super effective uh, treatment. The only downside is they need a little bit of heat. They do. And that's why they're not available until this time of year. Normally, soil temperatures need to be above 10 degrees, 11 degrees, and, and we're going to have that this week. So from next week on, they will come available. Uh, so um, and, and very effective. And, and a lot of the growers now are using them. So growers of organic vegetables, of strawberry plants, they've switched away from chemical treatment to using nematodes. So they're, they're very commonly, commonly used. Keeling's Fruit Farm, for example, in Dublin, they use them all the time, all year round. Of course, they have the indoor. They have the, they have the yeah. heat in the yeah. greenhouses, yeah. Now, my gooseberry bush had a serious mould mm. last year. I yep. treated it with winter wash since. Is right. there any way to prevent this happening again this year? It's an old bush, but it's laden with fruit every year, says Beatrice in Sligo. So very common on this. So this is gooseberry American mildew. It's a particular oh. type of mildew that attacks gooseberries. And uh, Beatrice has done exactly the right thing, the winter wash and the thing. So now you need to put on a fungicide. So uh, the, the fruit is only tiny at the moment. Um, so now is the time. So go pop into your local garden centre, get a fungicide, simply apply it onto the foliage of the gooseberries and that'll keep it off. So it's, it's just one of these problems that gooseberry get, get gets each, each year. It's like black spot on roses, oh. so it's very common and it's very specific to to gooseberries. To gooseberries. Uh, I have an Acer <clears throat> which was red when I got it. Over the years the leaves don't stay red, they turn to green says Mary with a question ah. mark. Well what, what sometimes can happen with um, Acers, they are grafted onto a different rootstock so you might buy a lovely Acer palmatum, the red foliage one, it'll be grafted onto a, a common um, Acer rootstock and sometimes that kicks into growth so you'll often see kind of half red half green and mm. eventually the green takes over and I'm guessing that's what has that's happened, happened in Mary's yeah. case yeah okay the leaves of my tomato plants have turned purple with yeah. some having yellow <laughs> edges is there something I can do to revive that yeah and there so the purple purple is a reaction to the cold so tomatoes like ourselves go a little bit red and purple as the weather starts to get colder and that's all that is it's it's down to the weather conditions um it's nothing to worry about in this instance in that the damage, the, the plants haven't been physically damaged. The, the leaves have just gone from green to purple. They'll actually revert once the weather starts warming up. Again, you could start giving them a liquid feed. They actually looked in quite small pots as mm. well, I thought. So if they haven't been repotted, maybe move them on into bigger pots into a multi-purpose compost. But it's just weather related. Okay. Now this is a bit of a long one, so I'll try and go through it as quickly as possible. Uh, a photograph with some lupins. Uh, good morning to us. Okay. I've recently found your programme 
thoroughly enjoy it and have learned so much already and would really appreciate if you could get some advice on my lupins. I planted them for the first time last year, wasn't expecting any flowers, but was pleasantly surprised Brilliant. with a great showing, only to be disappointed before the flower had fully formed or fully gone to seed. I heard about lupin aphids, but yep. couldn't find any on the lupins, but sprayed them with bug clear anyway to no avail. I wondered if the garlic grazers product uh, would be more effective. These flowers hold such, such strong, happy childhood memories and I'd love to be able to grow them now myself. Any advice uh, would be much appreciated, says Marie. Well, Marie did a brilliant job on them. I and mean, Go back up to the picture yeah, there and let me yeah, see it again. There you go. We'll oh, yeah. Bring it up. So, so Marie, first of all, um, so to describe to her, the rest of the listeners, I mean, the, the plants are really, really strong. They're very, very healthy. The flower is fading from the base to the top. And that's perfectly natural with lupins that, because that's the portion of the flower that came out first. Yeah. And, and lupins, the flowers kind of start to fade as they go up along the stem of the plant. So that's perfectly natural. The, the flower is actually going to seed. And really at that stage, Marie, that's the time to prune it out, to remove the flowering stem because otherwise the plant is only running to seed and all the energy is going into that um that, that particular bloom that's beginning to fade. So that's simply just trimmed out. So your plants should be lovely and green at the moment. A little bit of feed would be a good idea. Do keep an eye out for the lupin aphid. So again, it's a particular green fly that attacks lupins and they're quite visible. They're big fat guys. Um, and if you had a little bit of maybe something like rose clear, it wouldn't be a bad idea to put a little bit on. The other thing to watch out for are slugs. And again, with the damp weather, slugs like to prey on lupins but I think you're going to have a fantastic a show. show and just when the flowers are beginning to go over when you see that brown coloration mm. trim them back because it'll actually initiate new flowers the plant will produce new flowers to okay. compensate Now can Porek give any tips on an old lawn that's been trampled on I raked in seeds but it seems so dry and there's not much growth would you have any suggestions? Well the growth is 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 slow at the moment we don't have a picture of it do we know? We don't know um, So you know it, it, the fact that the listener has reseeded it now ideally you don't want to be putting seed down just on its own you should mix it with a little bit of multipurpose compost first in a bucket or in the barrow and then spread that onto the uh, damaged areas or bare areas um, and again the growth has been slow lawns look a little bit unhealthy at the moment uh, it's simply just because they, the weather's been so cold so give the lawn a feed as well and um, keep it trimmed on, on once a week and it'll be back into good condition again Okay, another question on laurels they're very popular today sure. They are. It's like they are laurels <laughs> yeah. programme special uh, Anyway, this one is another question with a different problem uh, cut, cut, Laurel hedge cut and fed regularly very poor growth at the bottom can see through the hedge what can I do to improve the growth? It's 10 years growing Yeah, and I'd say probably the There's a bit of a series of photographs here now yeah. kind of flick through them. And they're a bit yellow yeah. as well They're yeah. a bit hungry looking They've planted very close to the wall there as well um, and maybe when the plants were smaller you know th that's the important thing of keeping them very well trimmed uh, when they're smaller but look at a good feeding you know, if you cut them back with these yeah well the listener it, said they're, they're trimming yeah. them back but definitely you know you could cut a little bit more from the top of the plant as well um, and trim them back and that will encourage new growth but the leaves are quite small and the leaves are quite yellow so they're very very hungry um, in, in that location so I think a, a uh, a good feed of the office and more plus six now and repeat it in four weeks time and probably even do it again later on in the summer just to to, to, to bring on the growth. Okay, time is starting to go against us so we'll do a few quick fire ones yeah, for surely. it. Is it too soon to put out my geraniums? Yes. Okay, lovely. And uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> simple as, cordyline's going yellow and dying off. Why? 
Well, that's totally natural with cord lines. The, the older leaves will go yellow, go brown. You trim those off this time of year, give them a feed and, and you'll get lots of new growth. OK. A polytunnel erected last year uh, used earth she brought in, I guess, from the outside. Now she's a problem with wireworm who seem to have taken over. OK, so get, get the nematodes next week. They should be available. Get, there's a specific one for wireworm and that'll and perfectly safe to use in the greenhouse as well. Uh, you can just apply it over the entire soil area. Rhubarb was flattened by the wind. What can I do? Not a thing. Just um, in, in maybe maybe take the stems that have been damaged and, and a nice rhubarb pie for tomorrow, maybe. But it'll regrow again. It'll be perfectly fine. What was the product you mentioned last week for the turnips? It was Vitex Q4 was the fertiliser because it has the boron in it. Um, so, so that's the one to use. Great. I've some begonia tuberids. Will they flower this year and will they come back next year? Of course they will, yeah. So pot them up into, into pots, into multi-purpose compost. Give them a good washing. Start them off in, in Inside and then plant them out in early June and they'll be beautiful. They'll flower till October. Okay. What do you feed cherry blossom? A lot of brown leaves on them. What What do I do? Thanks. Yeah, and that, again, just a little bit of weather damage on the plant. So again, a good tree and shrub fertiliser, I suppose that's what I've been advocating. Get, you know, start feeding your trees and shrubs in general now. So put on a little bit of the Osmo Pro 6. Good handful. Window boxes yes. such as pansies, violas, verbena, lobelia. Would you give them a good cutback also before planting like you did to other plants on your Facebook show? Which oh, of yeah. course that was, was that last week or the week? That was Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Well, you're not tuned so, in. Uh, well, unfortunately, so, so, uh, so listeners <laughs> the can day go, job doesn't allow me to oh, do that during go. the week. So yeah. listeners can go back on uh, Midwest Radio Facebook page. The video is there. I actually did an hour's programme for my own garden. And one of the things I, I planted up were hanging baskets and window boxes. So if you want to see the way I plant them up um, and I do a little bit of trimming back where pe- people were a bit shocked <laughs> to see how severe okay, I was were, cutting plants back. Brutal, were you? But there's a, there's a specific reason for that and I explain that in the video. Um, so go back on, on uh, Midwest Radio Facebook page on the video section you'll see um, and we had a great day and, and thanks to Brendan and Alan for giving me a, a dig out there they were super on the cameras um, but we and we got a great I think there was over eight eight and a half thousand oh views wow I'll have, to, I'll, have to, well, I'll have to add so, to so 8,000 and, and one, one more yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah so lots of good information we also covered um, you know planting up vegetables and all that sort of thing as well Okay, so uh, do we cut back these labillias? Yes, plants? we do. We do, we, sorry. Give okay. them a light trimming back. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so we have, what have we got here now at all? Um, can you tell me, can I set flax now in a different place as I've moved last week? Yeah, so so this is New Zealand flax. It's a great time actually to dig it up and transplant it. My advice really is to trim it really hard back. So if it was a metre high, reduce it back to a foot with a sharp shears, split it into several pieces and then replant it into its new, new location. And it'll be, it'll be absolutely brilliant by the end of the summer. Do I cut back the heliobores now? Yeah, heliboras should be cut back. The flowers are beginning to go over now, so it's an excellent time. And trim the foliage as well. So any old foliage and old flowers, trim them back, give them a feed, and they'll respond, producing lots of new growth. Uh, what is the best, fastest growing hedge you can sow in July, asks John. <laughs> <laughs> Speed is of the essence here. It's so it? important to get it up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, it, it depends on, I mean, plants like laurels are extremely fast, Grisolinia is extremely fast, fast, but John, you know, be careful what you wish for. You, you want to pick a hedge to suit the location and the ultimate height that you want the hedge to grow to. So, maybe pop into your local garden centre. They'll walk you through the various different types of hedges that are available. But don't put in something that's going to be overly vigorous if you want low maintenance and you want maybe a shorter hedge. 
Okay, I used the Zero Moss Remover Great. two weeks ago. It's black on the top, but still there. The moss was heavy, but I'm not in a fit enough condition to rake it out. Will it break down eventually? It will, it will if you actually feed it. So if you put on the uh, uh, something like the Zero Lawn Feed, that has uh, bacteria, organic matter in it that'll help to break down the dead moss. Um, so that would be a good idea to do. And generally what we do advise is where that moss is really heavy is to give it a light raking after you put on the Zero uh, Moss Control. But give it a feed now and the feed will help to encourage the grass to grow but also help to break down the dead moss. Okay, and on the last question, I've garlic planted, it's growing, do I need to feed it and when will I know it's ready for harvesting? Well, garlic takes a long, it's a long growing season so you won't really be harvesting it till September, October. Uh, now, depending when you planted it, if it was planted in the autumn, it'll be ready by July, early August, so we often plant garlic in September, um, so that'll be ready to kind of late summer, but a garlic planted, say, back in January, February, March won't be ready till autumn. A light feed. It, it doesn't require a huge amount of feeding, so a little bit of the Vitex Q4 would be ideal. We'll have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Thanks, Deirdre. Not at all, Porik. Thank you for all of that information and advice. Don't forget, uh, we knew, did move through a lot of uh, information there. The programme is podcasted, so it you is. can download it from uh, the Midwest Radio website in about an hour's time uh, when we get that sorted. Thanks indeed uh, to all of you for all your questions. I know we didn't get to lots of them, but hopefully next week. Michael Neary coming your way next here on Midwest Radio for me for the moment. Good morning to you.